All right, Green Battlesuit Goon. Our time machine may be complete, but that wasn't the final thing we needed before revisiting 2021 to stop Dr. Podcast Intro. We need to find ourselves some muscle. What, I'm not muscle enough? I, I, I don't even know what half these buttons on this thing do, all right? I'm pretty sure they all involve blowing shit up, though, so I think we're good. You're not wrong, old friend. But this suit is a prototype, and we can't risk it faltering amidst battle. We need... Wait. That's it. Yes, of course. It, it all makes sense now. Uh, boss? Green suit goon. Hey. Right, my apologies. Green battle suit goon. Set the time machine for the year 166 million. Uh, sir. 166 million BC. It's time we unravel the mysteries of the Supple Saurus. Did it work? Yep, all my senses indicate our asses are firmly planted in the Jurassic era. <laughs> so, yeah, pretty good. I, just, I would say pretty good for our first time travel, I would say. Didn't even puke. Not even once. Didn't even think about it. Perfect. Come along, green battlesuit goon. We'll be more than capable of handling ourselves. I know, I know. I just, I don't understand why we gotta risk our lives like this in the first place. It's just beyond me. Don't you see? It's always been quite curious how a full, living, breathing dinosaur ever even got to the future, let alone become a highly successful podcast producer. The supple source is the key to all of this. If we can get him working, that is. Get him working? Is that why you brought this gizmo along? Yes. What I have here is a universal translator. If we can secure this to the Supplesaurus's head, we will be able to understand each other through some sort of, you know, brainwave frequency or something. I didn't invent the damn thing. It's just from the future. Then we plead for his help in our battle with Dr. Podcast Intro. Supplesauruses are known to be very honorable and battle-hardened creatures. He'll understand. Now all we have to do is find- Boss, look out! There he is. Green Battlesuit Goon, it's time for your part of the plan. Fly up there and put this translator on him now. I've secured it to this overly large propeller cap because he'll blend in with the kids more when we bring him to the future, and because I think it's fun. Right away, sir. Oh! Oh no, dinosaur! Uh, got it! It's on, go! Oh, mighty source. My name is King Griffin of Content. I am from the future and I am in desperate need of your help. I have equipped you with a universal translator from my time. Can you understand me? Hey! Is it working? Oh, goodness, yes. Well, you sound so strange yet in entirely expected. Well, 
I don't know what to tell you. This is what all dinosaurs actually sound like. Uh, okay, well then, yes, back to my being here. I need you to come on a quest with me to the future to fight the purest of evils you will ever know. Dr. Podcast Intro. A quest to save life as we all seem to know it. Quest sounds like a lot of work if you ask me. Your pod will be relatively easy for the most part, actually. You will be brought to the year 2020, where you will then be set up as an online content creator. Is that hard? It sounds hard. Really, actually, all you have to do is show up. It's, it's very easy. All right. I'm in. Good. Let's go kick some ass. begins our our breathing session trying to center us again after Mm. the cinematic experience that we've just been through Mm -hmm. and by just been through i mean you know over the course of several days Mm -hmm. we got a four hours of pure anxiety just let it all out Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there you go there you go feels good we should start them all this way with a little zen exercise yeah, or like a cool narrative thing that's teasing some sort of big event we have coming up in the next episode. I'm sick of that. I think we should quit that. All right, yeah, I'll scrap it. Um, yeah. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to, uh, you know, continuing the trend of just keeping it calm, keeping it cool. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Supple Boys, the podcast where Ooh. me and I'm, I'm Griffin Sheridan, by the way, one of two Supple Boys, uh, me and Ethan Parker Smith. Hey. We're best friends and creative partners on our way to breaking into the comic book industry, and that's that's what this podcast is charting. But it's also charting all the things that that we like, and you know, things that inspire us. It's charting those as well. And where's that in the charts? It's a great question. Not high enough, I say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Agreed. But you know what we, but you know what we always say. What we always say what? here at Supple Boys yep. Incorporated. Yep. There's always another podcast. <laughs> There's always another podcast that we have to do. Pre-show, <laughs> show, post-show, repeat. Yeah. Welcome to the first episode of Supple Boys in the year 2021. Welcome everybody. Congratulations, we all made it. Um, mm-hmm. 2021. Happy New is Year. Is it the year of? Is it the year of the Supple Boys, Ethan? By like all last year accounts. was Year of the Dragon, I think, yeah. or Tiger, one of those two, yeah. or Rat, or Bat. <laughs> I think Bat. Yeah, I was gonna say Bat. <laughs> Wasn't it ironic or some shit? Okay, okay, okay. And this year is the year of the Supple Boy. By all accounts, yeah, that's what I'm hearing. That's the scuttlebutt. That's that's what they're reporting over on uh, ComicBookMovie.com. Uh, we got this covered. There's a whole write up. We got this covered. Screen Rant, I think, put something out saying that there was speculation that this year was the year of the Supple Watch Boys. Watch Mojo had top ten reasons that this is the year of the Supple Boys. Yeah, and I'm pretty happy to officially confirm that, yes, 2021 is looking we like can it's going to be yeah. the year of the Supple Boys. Mm-hmm. We can confirm that it's looking like that. Yeah, so get hype. 
we can confirm speculation is worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Ethan, how are you doing, man? It's been a minute since the supple folks, that's all you guys listening, it's been a minute since they heard from us. Yeah, it has, it's been... Except it's been not, a- because we have other podcasts that we've done <laughs> since then. Well, you know, I think that maybe there are a few people that only follow this show and not our other shows. That'd be fucking weird, though. There are more interesting people in our other shows. Go listen to those. But, mm-hmm. um, no, yeah, it's been a little... I mean, the last time you heard from us, we were saying Merry Christmas in an episode that came out several days after Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we are we are well into the new year. And I'm doing pretty good. I'm feeling optimistic about the coming year. I, it's, it's this weird nebulous headspace that I'm in where I'm mm-hmm. like, shit's about to get better, or ramping up over time. But, you know, right now it's just, it's just, we're just sitting in it. Let's just, and it's just like, let's, let's yeah. do it. Let's move, you know? Yeah. Um, I feel but you. I'm primed and ready for the year of the self boys. That's for sure. Year of the self boys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, me too. 2021's off to a pretty shit tier start for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, I am always excited and happy to sit down and podcast with you, sir. Aw, back at you, man. Uh, and I love talking about stuff that uh, is inspiring to me, is cool to me, is yeah. uh, so underground that nobody's ever seen it or heard <laughs> of it, which is, I think, <laughs> I think where we're at this week. We exclusively uh, cover underground things that you've never heard of. Absolutely super obscure and definitely not a year old episode you would think that's um, why that's why this week we're covering the local mine that's here in my town of wasilla we're going underground mm-hmm, and we're mm-hmm, going to talk mm-hmm. all about it start to underground finish. objectively objectively is this a good mine was it a good mine <laughs> see i thought it was a i thought it was i thought it was an okay mine but I had a I had a good time with it. So that's right. You know, for for me, you know, the the good things about the mine outweighed the bad things about the mine. Absolutely. There's a lot of things mm-hmm. you could pull apart and whatever. But in in the end, I was smiling walking out of that mine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I had a, yes. I had I had I had fistfuls of opals walking out of that mine. Ooh, opals! Nice, nice Thanks. transition, Thanks. sort yeah. of. This week, well, we're not talking about mines. We're kind of talking about opals. We're kind of talking about gems in terms of, uh, in terms of gems of the film industry. That's right. This week, I had Ethan sit down and watch um, two features by directing duo the Safdie brothers. That's Josh and Benny Safdie. Yeah. I'm sure most of you guys have heard of these these dudes, uh, these fellas. They've directed a couple of great films, including. 2017's Good Time, starring Robert Pattinson, and just last year, not last year, not no more, thank Christ, uh, but 2019's Uncut Gems, starring a Mr. Adam Sandler. Uh, hit me with your best Sandler. <laughs> not Uncut uh, Gems Sandler, I'm any rich. other time I'm rich Sandler. and I make bad movies, but I know That's that they're bad, it. so it's okay. That's not it. You gotta get the weird nonsense sounds in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love to podcast. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Um, Ethan, before we get into like each of the movies kind of individually, this was your first time seeing them. Um, what did you think? Just base level feelings about the Safety Bros and the movies they make. Oh boy. Um, 
Well, it's funny because these two, these two are those kind of things where they were sitting there, and I've heard literally everyone in the world say that they're amazing, uh, mm-hmm. and I knew they would be. I had no doubts about it. But I like you know you, you always have your pile of media that you're getting through, and I had those there, and I was very comfortable with them sitting there for a little while. I'm like, that's gonna be fucking awesome, and I just got to it pretty late. And man, it was fucking awesome. Uh, they're both I, uh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I heard a lot going in about about their about their soundtracks. I heard a lot about the how stressful the movies are. Um, I heard a lot about how chaotic and kind of grimy and and uh, but darkly funny uh, they are. And everything I heard was one hundred percent true. In fact, I'm running the risk of not even having that much to say. I, I, we're just gonna fall into that thing if we're just gonna say, remember that thing that we liked. Um, yeah, welcome to remember that thing that we liked. These are just fucking awesome movies, um, mm. and and I'm I'm happy to you know find some some new uh, creators, the Safety Brothers. That it's just another case of like, fuck. I just love their style. I just love what they do. It's it's it appeals so specifically to me, particularly the dark the dark humor that comes from it. Like the mm-hmm. laughs I got from Uncut Gems and for a couple of times in Good Time. Mm-hmm. My lord so fucking oh, yeah. good <laughs> oh yeah there's a certain like level of you know there's some beats in good time that are funny but i yeah. think they knew exactly what they were doing with uncut gems where you know if you go and you pick adam sandler you know that you're gonna be yeah like if you don't throw some humor in there you're wasting it uh because yeah. you know despite some of his some of his efforts uh in the past adam sandler is quite funny uh, and has very good comedic timing in his. Yeah, let's talk about let's talk about Sandler for a second before we. Get no, into wait, these. save it for uncut gems. You I, bitch. Well, yeah, I just feel like we were gonna. I felt like these two discussions of these movies were gonna kind of blend. Uh, no, you, but, no, but yeah, all right, I'm all right, separating all right. Let's, them. Let's separate the two worlds. Movies. Let's talk about good time. Let's let's begin with good time. Uh, I want to break down just a couple of things first about good time. It is, of course, directed by Josh and Benny Safdie. Uh, Josh and Ronald Bronstein uh, wrote the film. Uh, and a Mr. Daniel Lopatin, Lopatin. I'm so sorry for butchering your name, but he does fantastic work. You may also know him as uh, One or- One Ortrix Point Never, which is his electronic experimental right. brand of uh, music making. Right. Um, and they picked him to do the score for both of these movies, and they're both fucking fantastic. Um, it's also worth noting that Sean Prince Phillips is the DP on this. He did cinematography here. Yeah. And um, Benny and Ron, so still still talking about mostly the same three dudes here, um, are both ed- editor and uh, involved in the sound uh, in the movie as well. So, And cool. Benny also stars opposite Robert Pattinson for a small portion of the film as his brother. Um, and so... It's really a Benny Safdie passion project, it feels yeah. like. Um, yeah. Josh uh, Josh is there as well, but I don't know. Benny's all over the place in this thing. Oh, yeah. And, uh, a bit of an auteur. Oh. Um, it had a budget of $2 million and it made $4 million at the box office. Not a lot, you could say. Nope. Um, but those are some things I wanted. Yeah. Uh, oh, and also that it <laughs> competed for the Palme d'Or at... Uh, at con so good on them that's pretty how fucking did, good how did lighthouse do in the box office i think pretty good because i still I haven't can... seen lighthouse either but just like is pattinson not a massive draw like i feel like I like that i really don't think not as much as you 
would expect. Um, let me see the lighthouse. Uh, here are my thoughts on the lighthouse. It's okay. I'm very excited to watch it. That's it's just like these two. It's been sitting there, and I'm and I'm pretty fucking sure I'm gonna like it. So it's just been sitting there, and I'm excited to get to it. Yeah, that's cool. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that on the next Spooky Boys episode. Ooh. I'm sure that'll be quite good. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, for the record, the budget on Lighthouse was reportedly four million, and it made eighteen million. Okay. Pretty good. Yeah. That's like Don't Avengers numbers, right? Yeah, I think so. I think Endgame made somewhere around 20, 25 million. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking one person. Not even. It's like a quarter of one person's salary on that movie. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um, okay. With all that said, good time. It's a crime thriller. It it's is. like a high-octane feature-length uh, episode of cops um, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's it's insane what they do here you mentioned that watching these movies is a stressful experience yeah and I would say yeah with good time there's a certain level that's sort of permeating the entire film because he's literally on the run from the law so mm-hmm. there's there's that level to it but there's a more formal effort made by uh, the the editing and the sound mixing in uncut gems and in a couple of sequences in good time that are just particularly stressful. And, oh, yeah. uh, and I think people know by now that that's, that's sort of like the shtick of these, of these two films is that they're going to make you fi- kind of tug at your hair a little bit. Just like, Oh my God. There are a lot of moments God. where the music, <laughs> the music is, mm. uh, mm-hmm. is, is at, like even more actively than the visuals, uh, you know, adding to that tone. Like there, there, are, it'll be a visual sometimes where it's, if there were a lower key track underneath it, it wouldn't mm-hmm. be that stressful or that um, thrilling of a thing. Like it could be played completely differently. Like it could mm-hmm. be a fairly uh, low key like a piece of the story that's happening. But when the sound mm-hmm. kicks in and it's like, it's like fucking insane. Oh yeah, it's no, like, it's you're so just like, oh, fuck ah. It's so active, right? It's yeah. um, it sort of adds. That's a, that's a great way to put it. Um, is the score is is just as and i think maybe you know maybe that's the mark of a good score some yeah. people i think will say is when you don't notice the score but I i've say, always disagreed that. with that yeah that's fucking stupid because yeah. the score is just a it's a huge part of the movie mm-hmm. um and so when it is working so well you can tell that uh, the safties and um uh Lopatin, that's how i'm gonna pronounce this name i'm so mm-hmm. sorry if it's wrong you can tell that they just vibe and they gel really really yeah. well together um because it just fits so perfectly um and not to mention and even even beyond that something about the electronic synth midi sound of the of the score and the bright like vibrant neon look of both of these movies just they mm-hmm. just mix so well together and you're like yeah. mm, that's that's you called it candy on screen, yeah, yeah. The I first like, one, like I, I had the amen. thought that it looked. I was like, "This is like candy for the eyes. It's so pretty looking," which is so mm-hmm. weird because they're both such grimy movies. But it's like it's like this colored light, like shining through dirty glass, kind of like the, like that's kind of the vibe of these movies. Yeah, yeah, it's very, it's a, it's a real aesthetic. It's very, very nice. I will say, um, I guess we'll get this out of the way. Spoilers, quote unquote, spoilers for both of these movies um let's talk about pattinson's character in good time yeah um because we're with him the entirety of the runtime um mm-hmm. we get separated from from and was it benny safety it was it was yeah it was yeah 
It was a good time. Um, <laughs> Pattinson is so good at like disappearing into this sleaze. Yeah, uh, and there's a weird level to it of like he's like a total con man and a sleaze ball, mm-hmm. but you also kind of feel like his like his efforts, like you know, he's just yeah. trying to uh, make a life for himself or, or something. Mm-hmm. And um, but just from the fucking jump, he's taking advantage of everybody uh, oh, to yeah. try and get his way. He's taking advantage of his brother in more ways than he thinks. He's taking advantage, obviously, of all the people that he is, you know, either literally robbing or um, using to propel his own means, uh, his own goals forward. Of course, everybody involved in (laughs) driving his ass around in this movie, Um, the folks from the hospital, and he's conning that police officer to try and get to who he thinks is his brother in there. Um. And so that's uh, it's just so interesting because he can be so he's so fucking good because he's so, uh, he's, so good. he's got range. God damn he's it. So good. And the performance and the character are both the, the best things about the character as written and the performance are, are both the different sides of him, which are that he's a nasty fucking dude. Like 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 he'll he'll do fucking anything. And, it, and it's and it's really gross and terrible. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, he has a real charm to him. Uh, which is how he can he manages to pull off a lot of his cons and shit, and that that shines through from Pattinson because he's a very very charming dude, but then mm-hmm. can flip that switch of you just fucking like are just grossed out and hate him, um, but then mm-hmm. go right back, um, and 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 like and all of that plus the side of like the fact that he like his love for his brother is so intense that mm-hmm. like all of those sides just like coalesce together into a very like complex character that we never even learn that much about but we're just watching nope. him and learning f- about him as we're watching him and it's it, yeah it's dude it's great it's fucking good isn't it crazy how the movie just starts and it just doesn't yes. stop yes. <laughs> like uh, yeah. it opens with that that scene with um nick is the yes. name of benny safty's character yes. and um and as soon as pattinson enters the room that's when you can really sh- feel shit like he disrupts right everything yeah. seems like it could probably be going fine if robert pattinson's character just kept his nose out of everything but as yeah. soon as he walks in uh and at that point they're doing like a handheld like handy cam thing and it like snap zooms over to his face as he pops into oh, the yeah, door. That was like, weird. what the yeah. fuck is going on <laughs> yeah these weird snap zooms yeah yeah well, that's another reason I think that this movie is just so f- fucking fantastic, and and I'm sure Sean Prince Williams is as much to thank for this as the Safety Bros. But I'd said earlier that it was like a, a high octane feature of Cops, and yeah, it is, I yeah. believe the Safety Bros have been on record saying that that was a sort of direct inspiration for it. Like they grew up watching that sort of stuff, and they they have a mm-hmm. sort of keen place for it in their heart. And there's even a couple of instances where characters are watching those watching sorts cops, of shows yeah, yeah. in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you get things like the handheld camera work at like just the right moments, too, might I add. It's not there the entire movie, necessarily, or at least not glaringly obvious that it's there. Um, but it's at just the right moments, like that very uh, beginning when he enters, and uh, at the end when... Um, I don't remember his name, but the, the not brother that Pattinson drags along for yeah, the entire yeah. movie, basically, uh, he falls off this building to his death. And Ugh. you were saying that that felt so visceral and real to you. Ugh. And I feel like it's because at that moment, we're suddenly down on the ground 
That character is Ray, played by Buddy Duris. And I read somebody saying that Buddy Duris, the only other performance he had been in at the time, was the previous uh, Safety mm. Brothers movie, um, mm. which is interesting. But yeah, no, that that bit, my stomach fucking lurched when it cut back and he fell off the side of the building. It, like it, it, that you you and you were talking about how that was executed with the the handheld camera stuff. Fucking mm. so effective because like like it really felt like I was there watching that. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, it just it, suddenly drops you in in a, a sense of reality. Yeah, um, and that's fantastic. But then you've also got things like uh, an absurd amount of helicopter shots, yeah. <laughs> like helicopter yeah. aerial shots, as if we are actually watching the news live, or like we said, an episode of yeah. Cops, and we're following some sort of criminal pursuit. Some um, great long shots following some cars. Fucking fantastic! The Safties love a good one take. Yeah, um, and when they get like just like 30 seconds straight of this car going around the place um it's just genius and it sort of permeates the whole movie with that uh with that vibe of oh yeah i'm following this criminal yeah Yeah. there's there's a certain level of danger given to those sequences even if the characters are not particularly at risk at that very moment because he does a pretty good job the whole movie of covering up his tracks it's really not till the end of the film that suddenly it all kind of collapses Mm-hmm. Um, but you were talking about uh, what's the actress name again? I apologize. Who plays Ray? Um, Buddy Duris. So the the Safties have a, a little habit, and they do it even more in Uncut Gems, um, of just picking people uh, off the street, and they're like, "You want right. to be in the movie?" And uh, that's how they talk again, talking about getting a sense of realism in there. They just pick people that do these things regularly. Yeah. Obviously, Buddy Duris is not a criminal that I know of. Um, but it's, it's more evident in like uncut gems that the dudes run in the fucking pawn shop or just dudes that yeah. run the pawn shop. And they said, do you want to be in the movie? And they're like, yeah, <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure like the goon Arno's goon in uncut gems. Um, yeah. the main guy that I, I believe drops him, um, yeah. uh, is just never acted in anything. Really? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's really and impressive. Then, it's a similar approach that I think, um, like uh, Sean Baker, who has done movies like Tangerine and The Florida Project. That makes a lot of sense, because um, if you look at these cast lists on IMDb, it's like four actors, and then the rest don't have pictures. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and that's genius. You get yeah. you get the star, you get the lead in there, someone that you know is going to do yeah. right by the character, and then you just fill it, fill the rest of the movie with just people that can be genuine, and that's all it Florida takes. I Florida Project, by the way. You just mentioned that. That's a fucking great movie. Yeah, Florida Project's great, and I yeah. brought that up because so many members of that cast are also made up of just locals. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's why that movie and why this movie and uh, those other ones that I mentioned, Tangerine, Uncut Gems, why they're both just so fucking They feel fantastic. so legitimate, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You feel like you're just sitting in that world, but that world <laughs> just being the real world, right? Yeah, totally. Um, and that's what really ends up giving weight to these to these events that you know were the the average audience is used to you know big end of the world stakes and whatever in their fucking blockbusters but you know you're watching both of these movies i'd say and they've got the same sort of level of uh, intensity as any any of those films that we've talked about on this podcast before and yeah it's because they do such a good job of making you feel like all right well this shit's real this shit matters pattinson's <laughs> and, uh, got such a like yucky accent and so, mm. such a gross beard like he just mm-hmm. he's he he feels like 
just kind of like a fucking bum like just like a like a, a like a gross guy that you would see on the street smoking um dude and, you gotta uh, give it up to hair and makeup and uh, like costume design for both of these movies um is just fucking fantastic uh yeah being able to make robert pattinson look like that much <laughs> of a gross fucking dude yeah yeah good on i'm you. a huge fucking fan of his um yeah, me too, man. I'm he, very, so very excited for Batman. I'm yeah, sh- and that's not a hot take it. anymore. People are very yeah. on the train, but uh, I think he's going to be the best Batman that we've ever seen. Uh, here is a hot yeah. take, though. I like Twilight, so get off my fucking ass about it. I, I Listen, I, <laughs> the first I, I Twilight just, is like kind of fun to watch. <laughs> I, I like it. It's um, like not to get super off track, but that's it's just it's such a campy like perfect epitomal version of of that teen thing that was going on at that time and um the perf- there's a lot of like fun performances in it and shit and Kristen Stewart's fucking dope as well as Pattinson so like the two of them coming from that franchise I love mm-hmm. the two of them and I and I've loved watching the shit that they've been in and I love the route that his career has taken and then it's led him to shit like this it's been awesome Absolutely man absolutely yeah. Um there's a weird like thread in uh in good time um that involves not necessarily like a narrative thread but throughout the movie robert pattinson is consistently taking advantage Uh, of of black people in some form or fashion yeah in the beginning of the film they're wearing masks um of a black man uh at the hospital there's a really fucking it's hilarious but it's like something really weird about it where he sneaks into this old lady's room and she like speaks up to him about something and he just like <laughs> opens the orange juice to kind of get her to shut up and feeds it to yeah. her and then takes a sip himself but nasty so little, like <laughs> <sighs> and then of course um there's the the 16 year old girl that he not only like pretty much just tricks into letting him like hang out at her house yeah. and lay low for a while and steals her hair dye and eats her chicken nuggets and yeah steals their car and drives around with her for a little while but also you know makes out with her and that's fucking weird (laughs) well and see that was such a fucking uncomfortable thing as well because he like he kissed her which was like all right Mm. he's blocking her from seeing the tv but then he carries her to the bedroom which is like so fun like it's just like "Ah, like, that that really like really changes how you're feeling about him at that point i don't know if this was true uh but i saw um a conversation on reddit about how apparently the girl that actress uh was a big twilight fan so that was kind of a fun uh, one. uh yeah. but uh yeah again not confirmed but if that is true that's fucking hilarious um that is funny i got it but yeah she that's gross 18, and right? that's a was weird runner when they shot the movie i hope so i don't know God. um <laughs> i assume so like that would be fucking weird if she wasn't mm-hmm. um Talk about how, and then uh, the sort of last victim of Pattinson's is um, the security guard at Adventureland. Uh, I am the captain now guy. He's I am the captain now guy from uh, from fucking Captain Phillips. Tom Hanks is the captain now. That's the name of that yep. movie. Yep, yep, yep. Was he the captain? By the end, yes. He was. <laughs> he was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and this this is a particularly upsetting sequence where they uh, first like kind of get into an altercation with the security guard and uh, 
you know, people are beating the shit out of each other. But then there's a there's a moment in there that's so upsetting and so like nauseating. It's like worse than a lot of shit I've seen in ho- actual like horror films. And that is when they have a uh, a little bit of a MacGuffin in the film. It's yeah. a Sprite bottle that's filled with um, a fuck ton of LSD. Yes. Um, and at one point, uh, to sort of keep the security guard on his ass, they dump just a shit ton of it in his mouth Ugh. while he's unconscious. And when he wakes up, he's just screaming gibberish. And horrifying. that was fucking horrifying. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> God damn really it! Upsetting. Mm, mm, mm. And there's a couple of moments dude. in all the in both of these movies like that. And so I thought that was an interesting um, sort of thread there in in the movie and and the sort of still victimize uh, black people still being the victims of white people fucking around and stuff. Yeah. And um, and so frequently being to blame for fucking crimes and stuff that are you know scumbags like robert pattinson's character connie is his name i always call him pattinson but um that's interesting and uh one of the other things that i always think about from that movie is um at the very end of the film when nick uh is brought into a sort of help group um after Mm -hmm. um spoiler alert connie is arrested finally uh, at the end of the movie Oh, great zoom shot on that man uh, in the back of the police mm-hmm. car. Like, it starts mm-hmm. kind of wide and then just zooms in to the point where, um, you know, the uh, the bars of the sort of gate across the back are, um, they look so big that it more or less looks like it resembles a jail cell by the yeah. end of that shot. It's too good. Um, and then at the end, his brother is welcomed into a help group because his brother is mentally handicapped. Yeah. Um, and there's such an it's it's a very small choice and it's some i think some people might just totally disregard it but the choice to have the credits like play over almost the entire sequence the credits all keep just rolling over more such a footage. devastating it, song as well mm, is that was it johnny cash I th- who is that I, it sounded like him but i'm not sure for i'm not positive hey siri what's the song at the end of good time See that little Apple action? Uh, well, I pulled up "Good Good Time" by Nico Moon. That's not what I'm looking for. Wow! Look how that Apple action turned out for you. <laughs> uh, fuck! I don't know. I'm pretty. We'll sure just that's say that Johnny it was Cash. definitely Johnny Cash, and we're definitely <laughs> not wrong about that. <laughs> it was really good, but um, you know, the movie has so much energy. And Robert Pattinson is, of course, literally just running around almost the entire time that it almost feels like uh, the movie because the movie ends very suddenly. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, it almost feels like it was moving so fast that it didn't have enough time to slow down and completely stop before the before the credits came. And so I love that sort of sense of momentum Mm -hmm. that something like that brings to the movie of and it's such a small thing, but it is stuck in my mind uh, ever since I saw it uh, last year for the first time. And Benny Safdie's performance during that scene is so good, like with just mm-hmm. such subtle mm-hmm. facial expression mm-hmm. and shit. I, I, was, I was bringing this up when we were watching it, but uh, after yeah. we watched it, but I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in, because his performance, I think, was really, really great and really um, mm-hmm. convincing and really emotional, and I, I'm interested in what other people think. I haven't looked into it a lot, but just how other people feel about him 
uh, portraying like a disabled char- character like that, um, and mm-hmm. it, because that's such a big topic of conversation now, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know, I don't know what the reaction to it was, um, or how people feel about it, uh, but I did think that it was a really great performance, especially yeah, in that final scene, like just kind of devastating. Like that that final scene is such mm-hmm. a is such a heartbreaker, um, mm-hmm. and it really I was thinking about it after, and. Um, I feel like as much as you can divine a hero or villain from this story, I think that uh, I think that Nick is the hero of this story, and mm. and Connie is the villain because Nick is the one that goes through change um, mm-hmm. from beginning to end, and, and he's the one who comes out the other end knowing something about himself and um, and and also developing for the better. He in a way gets a happy ending. It's not a it's not happy, but it is it is better mm-hmm. for him. Um, when when yeah. he realizes that Connie, how much Connie was holding him back, and he's able to tap into this part of himself, he's able to to be the part of this group. But Connie mm-hmm. is like this driving force of of trying to pull Nick back into this fucking awful, nasty mm-hmm. life that they mm-hmm. that they live. And yeah. and so it's like mm-hmm. as much as you're kind of with Connie throughout the movie, and you're and and like that part of you as an audience member wants him to get away with a con or whatever. I, mm-hmm. he's kind of the villain of the piece and, and and him you know him getting nick back would have would have almost certainly been worse for nick's life um and also connie doesn't really learn anything by the end the only uh, the only change yeah. that he would really go through is showing something like some sort of regret in the police car um yeah. but 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 still it doesn't I, I i think this this is this is really nick's story um uh, which oh, is absolutely. really interesting and first off the name Connie literally has the word con in it. It does. Yes. <laughs> um, but you're totally right. Nick almost like, you know, he's of course arrested after the initial yeah. bank heist doesn't go well. Um, and so you could kind of look at that as like a capture, right? That's what um, mm-hmm. Connie definitely sees it as. But in reality, it's more of like an, it's more of an escape. And that's yeah. definitely getting at the same thing that you're saying here. And I love mm-hmm. that because um, yeah. you're totally right. And God damn it, it's just one of the reasons why it's a super good, super interesting movie. But uh, I think, you know, we got another one to talk about and then well, supple suggestions to get yeah, to. Yeah, one second before we move on. Something interesting that was pointed out in the Reddit discussion that I didn't think about at all uh, was they asked, was the Adventureland security guard involved in a dog fighting ring? And did Connie f- uh, uh, find his money in the end? It says, during each news segment, whenever it shows the news, the story leading into the bank robbery was always about dogfighting. Um, and then it says, I wasn't paying uh, too close attention to the specifics, but I noticed it kept coming up after the girl had mentioned how sad it was that dogs are getting hurt. When Connie and Ray arrive at the security guard's home, it's guarded by an aggressive pit bull that seems to calm down only after smelling the guard's jacket. Ray goes on to note that it's a really nice place, not necessarily out of the realm of a night security guard, but worth noting. After trying to broker a deal for 15000 for the acid, Connie immediately wants to bolt. He might have just been sensing that the jig was up, but he emerges from the closet with the new duffel bag in a hurry pushing past ray telling him the deal is off in the scuffle uh, to leave we see the dog biting down on ray when connie gets met by the police outside we see him jump a fence throwing a duffel bag over and then somebody said i like this dogs were a recurring motif even connie was saying he thought he was a dog in another life so just mm-hmm. interesting I, I i wonder how that all fits together um uh, hell yeah what's the user on that who posted that methio944 and then Aquarius Sabotage pointed out about the Connie saying he was a dog in another life. Um, good job, guys. That's good, good job, shit. guys. Good time. Well, but was it a good there. time? 
It was. It was. That was a fucking <laughs> dope movie. Um, but spoilers. But I didn't enjoy it. Uh, like probably half as much as I enjoyed Uncut Gems. Whoa, Uncut <laughs> yeah. Gems. Their yeah. next film, the Safety Brothers did, came out in December 2019. Yep. Um, with almost the exact same creative teams, they do have a different DP. This uh, movie was. Uh, uh, cinematography for Uncut Gems is done by Darius, again, I apologize, Darius Kanji, uh, Kanjai. Um, it's Darius and... Rucker. <laughs> Darius Rucker, Hootie of Hootie and the Blowfish shot Uncut Gems, turns yep. out. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's interesting that they are that they got two different folks for it because they have such similar uh, color palettes, and you got to imagine that yeah. If that's the case, then the Safety Bros just have a very definitive sort of look that they want from the movie, and they get folks that know how to how to achieve that. Um, particularly, both of these guys are fantastic at capturing an absurd amount of color in really mm-hmm. low light. Um, and so, I don't know what kind of fucking lenses they're working with, obviously, but all I know is when I'm watching it, that's what sticks out to me the most, is just the sheer amount that they were able to pull out of these nighttime sequences and stuff. The and I think yellow it's, it's, out of Adam Sandler's yeah. shirt. Ooh, that's good. Um, and it's all those instances that give it this sort of murky water look that you were talking about yeah. earlier. Um, but it's once again, it's written by both Josh and Benny and uh, Ron Bronstein. Yeah. Um, Ron Bron, I think is what I'm going to call him from Very now good. on. And Daniel Lopatin is back on the score. Fantastic mm-hmm. fucking score. Um, and once again, editing and sound with, you got Ron and Benny working on that. Um, and this is interesting. Well, let's talk, I guess let's talk about the movie first. It, it made 19 million or sorry, it was made for 19 million, made mm-hmm. 50 million at the box office, okay. which is actually the highest grossing domestic film for a 24 okay. internationally. It was distributed by Netflix. We we're talking about this right before the movie, which goddamn. What a yeah. get for Netflix. Good on you. Absolutely. <laughs> um, accolades, you would expect. I said earlier, Good Time uh, was nominated for the Palme d'Or at, uh, at Cannes. And uh, accolades for Uncut Gems, was there was a noticeable snub. That was a big part of the discourse last winter. Yeah, what the fuck? Uh, when the Academy Awards were rolling around. But we'll, we can kind of get into that um, a little bit later. Um, Uncut Gems is... Uh, fucking fantastic Adam Sandler mm-hmm. which I was saying earlier is so goddamn charismatic um, and it's hilarious to like you know everyone's got such a such a an idea an image of Adam Sandler at this point and so you love seeing an actor come in here and just totally flip the script it's my mm-hmm. favorite thing in the world I love oh, when yeah. they do it oh yeah um, and he's so fucking good in this like it's it's his fucking movie he's in it like he's in almost every single and it's the same thing with robert pattinson and i think it's another reason why these movies are so strong is because they've just they picked a character and they said this is it you're gonna be in the trenches with this character for the runtime of the movie mm-hmm. um they're really not like ensemble pieces like they got yeah particularly uncut gems has like a a larger cast for sure um but they still feel like such intimate sort of stories and you feel like by the end um even though we were saying that connie you feel like there's like uh, so much we don't really understand about the guy but but you do because you see his character because you see him act with nobody else around oh shit we didn't even mention the the scene with him with jennifer jason lee in the first scene and the in good time 
Um, so it, yeah, so in Good Time, th- that scene's the, fucking fantastic. The sequence in the uh, the bail bonds place, and yeah. um, I remember I was watching Ethan's reaction during that scene in particular because, um, you know, everyone's screaming over each other and they're transferring just fuck tons of money, and they're yeah, like, yeah. "Well, you got to call <laughs> the one dude. The fucking broker is literally on. He's on two phones at once. At one point, it's just comedic. <laughs> it's just hilarious at that point where he's like, "Yeah, hold on, hold on one sec." What are you saying? I guess the, <laughs> the judge is not here. And they he's sc- screaming at Robert Pattinson and Jennifer Jason Lee's screaming at her mother over the phone. Yeah. She won't transfer $10,000. So yeah. So that scene in particular, that's what I want to kind of talk about. Um, I keep mentioning that Benny is, is an editor and part of the sound team for these movies. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, some people might not totally understand the difference between editing and then sound editing and then sound mixing mm-hmm. um you know that's those are very like sort of blurred lines for i think the average person but um i think part of what makes these movie gives these movies that sort of anxiety ridden uh vibe besides like we were saying the performances and the uh, and the score per sort of propelling those things forward but layering dialogue like that where so yeah. many people are screaming over each other yeah is I think so. It's so much more difficult than people think it is. Um, mm-hmm. You think that oh, they, well, they just captured all of that, you know, when they shot it, and it's like, yeah, probably fucking not. <laughs> it's just well, not no, how like, it goes. They have to the the mixing like they have to ensure that you're hearing each like essential piece, mm-hmm, and that mm-hmm. and like and like and like balancing what is actual chaos and what dialogue mm-hmm. is getting through. Like yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and. Uh, they do it masterfully in that scene oh, in yeah. good time. And then they said, let's do that. But for the whole movie for uncut gems, and, <laughs> a little bit, um, yeah, a little bit. Once the movie like really gets going, ex- save for a couple of scenes where the movie decides to slow down just a little bit and become a little bit more intimate with just a couple. It's of like mumblecore, but it's like shouting core <laughs> shouting core. You're absolutely right. Um, and it's just people screaming. It's chaotic. <laughs> and, um, the, sound editing and the sound mixing is so fucking incredible in these movies yeah and um if they weren't if it wasn't done in just the perfect way like it is it'd just be i think it would be a nauseating experience not in a not in a good way not in not a good time i think i'm saying no could it have been not a good time yes it could (laughs) have but was it a good time after all yes it was (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah just masterful sound work Mm -hmm. on both of these movies particularly uncut gems Mm -hmm. um don't forget that the score is in there too the score is pretty constant in both movies and you gotta mix that in as well and just all the regular fucking sound effects a car going by a fucking slapping a watch down on a table gotta get that clink just right Mm -hmm. it's too fucking good it's too fucking good when you're zooming through opals or blood holes (laughs) <laughs> so good those visuals those like uh, I don't even know what you want to call them those sort of abstract almost space looking mm-hmm. uh, like a 2001 vistas kinda, yeah, yeah that we get to zoom through it just permeates uncut gems with uh, a feeling of the divine a feeling of yeah. something beyond which is exactly what Kevin Garnett and um, 
and Howie, Adam Sandler's character, see in the opal. And so when the movie opens with like just these beautiful sort of scapes, and then of course it ends up we're in we're actually looking at Adam Sandler's ass, but like we're in his fucking <laughs> colon uh, when we zoom out of it at the very beginning of the film. Um, you know, it's sort of relating the opal and Howie because at the end of the film we zoom in through the uh, the bullet hole. Spoiler alert! In Howie's face. And then transition back into what we believe are the the opal imagery, and so equating the opal, which on the outside is this very rough, kind of almost mm-hmm. gross looking thing, but you can see those glimmers coming through. And on the inside, it's a very big and just majestic sort of thing. Yeah. And Sandler's a lot like that. I think his character's a lot like that. He's got this gross, awful exterior, but there's a couple yeah. of times in the movie where my man just totally fucking breaks down, and you can see that there is something in there that's like, yeah. And I, and I think too, <laughs> I think too really when bad. we're zooming through that, and the and it's and it's kind of supposed to give you like this like wow feeling is like I think yeah. that what we're seeing there is like what Kevin Garnett is seeing in it, and why, mm-hmm. um, why. Uh, uh, Howard it, like gets obsessed with all of this and kind of like like the world that they tap into because like I, like I think the movie like the dressing of the movie is this jewelry and how mm. much people are willing to drop on this shit and, and on these stones and like we see where they come from they're just like dug out of a fucking cave but then they become these obsessions mm. that people are willing to spend unimaginable amounts of money on uh, mm-hmm. because of the feeling it gets them because of how they feel when they look into them and then like Howard like I, you know, I'm I'm looking at these Reddit discussions, and people are talking a lot about how um, Howard could have saved himself uh, from the financial stuff at several different points in the movie. Like, like, mm-hmm. like, there's several points where he could have easily paid off um, the debts with the brother-in-law and everything, but but he doesn't because he's addicted to it. He's addicted to like the glory of it, the 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 feeling of the of like the win and the risk and and all of it. And I think when we're zooming through these colors and it's like this like majesty and whatever, it's like it is this world of glamour and, and luxury and, and st- that, that is this addiction for these people and like what drives them to do shit that you would never think a person would do. Um, mm-hmm. and, and like, and the road that that takes you down. And I think that that's so cool. Um, and, yeah. uh, the fact a, that it bookends the movie, I think is beautiful. I feel like that's a bit of a through line between both of these is, is mm-hmm. characters not knowing what's best, what's good for them. Right. Yeah. Um, Pattinson, should understand that his brother probably needs to be in a better environment and not yeah. literally robbing banks <laughs> and he should probably just give it up uh or you know he, they keep denying any sort of help they they're constantly screaming about their grandmother and like, whatever fuck grandma not, fuck grandma <laughs> um and you're like you're saying it's the same thing with the with adam sandler and howie howie bling um, it could uh, any uh, and a number of points could probably just back off a little bit, but you know every time and I was so good seeing your reactions to every time he gets even a little bit of money he yeah. immediately goes and just fucks it as soon as you're like okay and now he's gonna go pay this person off and that'll be nope. one last thing on his plate, but instead now nah, I gotta go make the bet. <laughs> yeah, he wants to make it's sure and it's funny because like there's a period where he like he gets he gets 150k mm-hmm. and he could go pay off the 100k that he owes. And he would still have 50k, mm-hmm. but instead he wants to know that he's coming out the other side with riches. Like he wants to know that he's gonna like he riches. like he wants to paying off his debt to be like barely a dent in what he got what he has. Well, he says it perfectly at the end. You want to win by one point? You want to win by fucking thirty? That's right. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It's so good. It's fascinating. 
Um, Sandler and, is such an interesting dude to me because he, mm. he. You can go ahead. What were you gonna say? Um, again, in a similar sort of way that at the end of Good Time when Connie's arrested and you're like, ah, damn. But also, yeah, probably for yeah. the best, isn't it? Yeah. And it's a similar thing at the end of Uncut Gems. You suddenly see yourself rooting for this slimy like yeah. piece of shit dude. And uh, first off, like I told you, it was like most invested I've ever been in a basketball game. I was like, oh yeah, damn, yeah. this is good. Yeah. And then when he when he wins when he when it all works out you're like fuck yeah and then you know it's just because you're watching the man be right a maestro you're watching him do what oh, he yeah. does best there in the end and that fucking mm-hmm. wonderful scene of him like dancing around while they're mm-hmm. trapped in that mm-hmm. vestibule thing like and, and and just like just like shouting insanely like when anything happens in the game all, some of the funniest lines are in there like I mentioned right before the show and he's he's like we would have been fucked if they didn't get that tip <laughs> uh, like that's so fucking good and like the way that he's kind of like. He's like pointing things out in the game and explaining it to these men that just like want him dead. Like it's like this last <laughs> yeah, they're just thing. locked in there, looking like, miserable, smoking the best cigarettes. Shit. The, the best it's shit. So, so yeah, you're watching him at the full peak of his glory there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so yeah, when you get to that end, it is um, it is tragic, especially because it's at the height of his happiness. It's at the height of his achievement. He did it. He um, pulled it all off. But total piece of shit so you know <laughs> total piece of shit, and then he gets shot in the face and then like you don't think it could get more crazy and then they shoot arno in the face and i know like, son I know. of a bitch who are these guys uh, the i fuck? know and that guy like arno was just fucking way over and way over his head as well like he mm-hmm. uh, he just hired mm-hmm. these fucking dogs that like are not even that loyal to him yeah um, exactly exactly crazy shit and can um, we take a second say... real quick to i'm sorry just a really no, really, really small thing like the uh the fucking Again, just the safety bros know what the fuck they're doing, and the set designer knows what they're doing because that oh, yeah. jewelry store is so tiny and claustrophobic oh, yeah. and cramped, and the fucking office is like right on top of the fucking showroom, and then they have right. a literal like cell that you have to be in before you get just genius. And the fact it's that fucking the tra- being trapped in the the glass like vestibule area was is a two part story where mm-hmm. like you have that first scene of them being stuck in there, and he's trying to let Kevin Garnett in so that he can get mm-hmm. the opal. And that scene goes forever of like him trying to get <laughs> great that one door take, open. great one take. They want you to feel every second of it. They yeah. want you to know they're trapped in there for the better half. And, and of he's like three minutes. yelling at the top of his lungs the whole time, like trying to get that fucking door open. And it's so good. Like everyone is so funny in that scene. And mm-hmm. then and then finally getting it open with that like file or whatever. And then, and then like and then that, that being so perfectly set up to to give us that third act scene. Mm-hmm. My God, that's amazing. That's like fucking amazing fucking storytelling. Yes, um, it is. And Adam Sandler's such an interesting guy because um, he is clearly immensely talented. He's so talented, and he always has been. He was like he fucking captured fucking audiences when he first like started out because he's very funny. It's mm-hmm. dumb humor, but if you haven't like learned by now, there is a lot of value in certain types of dumb humor if it's smartly mm-hmm. executed. And mm-hmm. and he's a very smart dude and he's and and so much of his early comedy is very funny and several of his early movies are very funny. Are you shitting me? Waterboy is hilarious. But <laughs> Waterboy. I'm a happy clearly, guy myself. That yeah, that's pretty good. Little Nicky has its moments. You but you get to this point where he you know he got so fucking rich that he you know clearly he realized he's like I can be so rich and help my friends to all be so rich mm-hmm. and just be in cargo shorts and flip flops and just <laughs> kind of throw out like just little zingers like that's yeah, all yeah, I have yeah. to do 
and you know, like, who's to fucking say that, that a lot of us more, wouldn't do more that power to, to that you? Point? Yeah, yeah, and absolutely, um, and and like, you know, you can. You, there's a lot of things you could say to the contrary, and I understand all those things. But he's clearly always been a very smart and very funny guy. And recently, when he put out that Netflix special, that new Netflix special. I laughed my ass off in a lot of points of that. I thought it was fucking mm. hilarious. And so it was great to see him like be funny again. It was like, oh, that's nice. He's like he's like being kind of classic Adam Sandler again. And then this comes out and you go, all right, there we go. Like this feels like what has been in him the whole time where he's he's oh, a totally. very very intelligent performer. Um and mm-hmm. he's and he's got range and and he can bring like such funny shit out of out of the trivial and out of the sad as well and so like mm. that scene of him sobbing to julia oh, and saying like i'm so, so fucked up I'm yeah. so fucked up it's so fucking good <laughs> and, and, yeah. and so like in the fact that he can it feels gen- like really that. genuine as well too it's not yeah, just like play for laughs yeah and the fact that he can do that and he can kind of give a walter white-esque speech and the this is how i win monologue and mm. shit like mm. like the best the best and the i'm best. so happy like there, there's nothing better than something like that which is kind of a comeback story for a performer where you've always been like i know this guy has amazing shit in him and then he fucking comes out and he just shows it off like and and, and so just a delightful performance that i think deserved every bit of the accolades that i got oh um well uh, that's that's a good segue real quick into the accolades that this movie received being almost n- almost nothing that anybody really pays attention to at all. It yeah. wasn't nominated for a single Academy Award. That's so bizarre. I think there I think might this have been is one of the best movies of like the last decade. Like <laughs> easy. Yeah. I would say easily. Um yeah. and I think there might have been something I uh, read in passing at the time where it was like they missed the cutoff because you know they're so specific okay. about when you have to have shit in um but i can't be totally sure all i know is you could have nominated sandler and they fucking didn't and it was stupid that's stupid um, yeah because he's so fantastic what sandler did get nominated for was the international spirit awards right um which a lot of people are now especially after that whole shen- those whole shenanigans are starting to look at as like okay well these are these are the awards that the people in the industry actually give a shit about and mm-hmm. blah 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 and, and and the oscars can go fuck themselves um <laughs> And the Oscars can go fuck themselves. The Oscars can super nothing. go fuck themselves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but Sandler won the uh, the Spirit Award, and uh, in his acceptance speech, he's just totally being like, oh, "Who gives a fuck about the Oscars?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's too good. I loved uh, that tweet he put out where he was like, "If I don't win the Oscar, I'm gonna make the worst movie you've ever seen." <laughs> his exact words were, "I'm gonna make a movie that is so bad on purpose." <laughs> good that like which that's, which come on now that's the best. I, I mean i'm excited for it now is it hubie halloween was that it i don't know we'll have I to wait know. and see but yes yeah, sandler notably snubbed safty bros notably snubbed daniel Lop- uh, lopatin lopatin uh snubbed fucking everybody involved in that movie snubbed because sandler's great but also everybody else in the movie is great. Everybody fucking. else is great. Idina Menzel has a fairly small part and she's fucking delightful in she's it. The way fantastic. that she doesn't take an inch of, of, of Howard's shit is fucking nah. amazing. Because like, nah, like, like, by the start of the movie, she's already so fucking done. You get the two halves of it between her and, and Julia Fox's character, Julia. And um, for Julia Fox is fucking incredible. She's, she, she hasn't I was, really yeah, been in anything say, yeah. since uh, or before this and she's great. She um, makes it out of this whole thing, and, and the I way that she's like, she was very fun she, and interesting. Yeah, 
Because she gets to see Howie Bling, and she wants to be with Howie Bling for, you know, whatever reasons there are. I mm-hmm. kept, you know, I kept saying it's the sleaze and the sugar baby relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Adina Menzel is supposed to, like, you know, she's supposed to be married to whatever regular version of Howard they're supposed to mm-hmm. be. Like, that yeah. existed that presumably over. sometime, yeah. yeah, before the movie began, yeah. maybe at some point when he had kids or whatever. Um but he just kept going, right? We're talking about characters yeah. that don't know what's good for them, and they just keep doing this shit that's bad. And clearly, you know, this is the last, the last part of Adam Sandler's story, obviously because he's dead by the end of the film. Yeah. But um, yeah, fantastic. Lakeith Stanfield as Damani. Lakeith Stanfield's always so fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. Kevin Garnett is so fucking mm-hmm. good. He's so I good. To, I wanted to say about Idina Menzel and Julia Fox. Idina Menzel, the scene is so fucking funny when he's like he's like kind of telling her he's like i think we should give it another shot and mm-hmm. and, and like, and that, like meant julia meant nothing to me or, and mm-hmm. and she's clearly like what the f- no and and like she very clearly shuts it down and then he's like give me another chance <laughs> like he just goes again <laughs> like it's so fucking funny um like because she's like she's clearly like moved on years ago um and, and he still makes these very earnest appeals for like whatever it's so funny and then the scene where julia is is fantastic through the whole thing and the way that she like takes advantage of that dude at the casino at the end is so fun to watch and stuff but Mm -hmm. the scene when she's like she's trying to cheer him up by showing the tattoo that she got and he's like (laughs) i don't deserve this (laughs) that's so good that's fucking great the relationship is so good and so fun to watch throughout the whole movie oh yeah um uh one last through line in the same sort of <laughs> oh, the weekends in the movie as well. He shows up, and you're like, "What the fuck? That's the weekend." <laughs> I fucking love the weekend, and it's like 2012. The weekend, and it's so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, one last thing, the sort of through line, like I was saying earlier, how Connie's constantly uh, tricking African Americans into shit, and it's almost yeah. the same deal in Uncut Gems because mm-hmm. the opal comes from Ethiopia, and the movie's keen to have Kevin Garnett sort of point that out. Uh, that yeah. he got it from them for dirt cheap, assumably, and yeah. he was going to try and sell it for ten times what it was what it was that he paid for. And then, of course, you know, Damani and the whole crew—they're black, and he's constantly giving them the fucking runaround. Yeah. He literally he gets the Celtics ring from Kevin Garnett, and he immediately goes and takes it. The fucking—he <laughs> goes and loans it, it immediately. Does, that that was one of the things that really got me. I was like, "You are shitting me!" <laughs> like mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that that just like informs so much about him. That like that that is an unthinkable thing to do. Yeah, yeah. But that, that's and where he's at. How he is constantly like just ditching watches in the movie, and <laughs> yeah. until until Lakeith Stanfield shows up it, at the beginning, he mentions something about having his watches there at the shop, and then throughout the whole movie, Howard is just pawning fucking watches off on everybody, and that then eventually Lakeith Stanfield's like these massive sums of money are kind of tossed around in these two movies because mm. the way Pattinson is uh, with Jennifer Jason Lee's character in, in the last movie, he's like. He's like, oh, it's just it's just a few thousand. It's just a few thousand when he's trying to get her to pay for his brother's bail. But it's ten thousand, and mm-hmm. she's like, oh, it's ten thousand. He's like, yeah, it's just ten thousand. I'll get it right back to you. I'll get it right back to you. And then, and then like mm-hmm. he's trying to get her to transfer it. And then like and then in this movie, he's constantly just throwing around watches. He's like, all right, that's ten grand. That's ten grand. You mm-hmm. take that. You mm-hmm. sell that. That's ten grand. Like like and he's just mm-hmm. con- like it's mm-hmm. just so much money just flying around. It's like, like it's crazy. It's weird how like money in both of the movies particularly mm-hmm. uncut gems though um is somehow it's simultaneously like 
the commodity you have mm-hmm. like you have to have it have to have as much as you can and yet in the way you're talking about is also thrown around with almost little to no care whatsoever right. right um and and such is the duality of money which is simultaneously a piece of paper that means fucking nothing and also you know your livelihood so yeah um i think both of these movies are fucking fantastic and uh, I, I loved good time i think uncut gems is a masterpiece i go back amazing. and forth like i mean when i'm what there's moments when i'm watching good time where i'm like is this better it's certainly simpler it's cer- certainly like cleaner um than uncut gems in terms of like just that's the movie that's the story and it's very very linear not that uncut gems isn't yeah it's so linear, it's got but, such you know, a it's not moving around structure. as much because yeah. Uncut Gems packs that fucking runtime, and that's oh, what yeah. makes it feel so anxious a lot of the time as well. Mm-hmm. So, as each scene is just stuffed to the brim with dialogue, and so mm-hmm. it feels a, a lot more packed. Uh, but there's moments when I'm watching Good Time, I'm like, is this one better? And then I watch Uncut Gems, I'm like, eh, this one fucking slaps. Yeah, <laughs> this it's one's no really question good. for me. Yeah, I think Uncut Gems is probably a better masterpiece. I haven't seen their previous couple of movies. Uh, have you seen them? Uh, me neither. Nope. Yeah, we'll have to watch those. I'd like to. I'd like to watch those and see what we think about them. I think that would be fun. Do a yeah, safety check in later. Safety um, check in later when they release their upcoming project, which fuck, we're both very wait. excited about. I can't which wait. is, uh, I can't remember if it's a film or I think it's a TV show. I think it's going to be a series. I can't remember mm-hmm. though. Um, but it's it stars Nathan Fielder and Emma Stone, uh, two Our people faves. that I just fucking adore. Yeah. Um, and it's about some some sort of fucked up relationship between an HGTV couple. So it's going to yeah. be so fucking good. And yes. I cannot wait for that to be Can't out. Wait. We'll certainly be talking about it on this show. But until then, feel free. Go check out Good Time and Uncut Gems. They're both streaming on Netflix right now, um, which you can watch them that way. Or you can, you know, support artists and buy movies if you like them i say if you got netflix go ahead go watch them or rent them or whatever and if you like the movie enough i say you should probably buy it and own it forever that was my one black friday purchase this year was uncut gems on blu-ray because it was you know it was cheap and i was like, i had never seen yeah. any blu-rays of it until just just the other day at target we received like two and so i put two on the shelf and i was like it's wow. a beautiful blu-ray too it's got a oh, great matte black finish oh, with yeah. like a silver uh shiny silver finish as well oh yeah uh, mm, so good check them out safety bros turns out they're geniuses they are and uh very creatively inspiring i see their shit and i'm always like i want to make shit this good Absolutely. and um and i think we will sometime soon for you folks Ooh, i hope so what a tease year of year of the supple boys year of the supple boys let's have a musical interlude ethan all right
What's up, supple folks? Post-production Griffin here to tell you all about this week's musical interlude, which is a track entitled Be Kind When Evicting Spiders, and it is by Annie, which is actually a musical pseudonym for a very good friend of mine, Dylan Parker. Now, if you're a long, long, long-time fan of the Supple Boys, you'll know that Dylan was one of our co-hosts on Superiority, a Superior Spider-Man podcast. Oh, way back in the day, the definitive origin point for Ethan and I. And Dill and I have known each other for a very long time, and he's one of my best buds, and I miss him dearly. He lives all the way in Texas. If you haven't noticed, it's a reoccurring theme for me that all my best friends live very far away, and it's fucking, it sucks. It sucks big time. But what doesn't suck is Dill's music, and he just put out his first album officially. It's on Spotify. It's called Please Stop Drinking At You Kids. Little League games, and it's fantastic, and I think he is an incredible singer-songwriter, and I love every single fucking track on that album, and I think you will too, so please go check that out. Check out Be Kind When Evicting Spires, it's one of my favorite tracks on the album, and you can go ahead and follow Dylan on Twitter, because he's also very funny on Twitter, and I hope he's cool with me plugging his Twitter. It's at NotDylanPavark, that's N-O-T-D-L-A-Y-N-P-V-R-K. You gotta talk to your marketing person. You gotta, you gotta, that's gotta be easier to type if you want anybody. Annie, stop drinking at you kids' little league game. Official supple suggestion happening, pre-supple suggestions right here. Dill, if you're listening, I love you, man. Mm, back to the show? Maybe back to the show. Let's see, uh, current in time, uh, <laughs> whoa, welcome back to the show. I don't know what the musical interlude this week is, but future me put it in there. And now Future Me is kind of past me, because in the runtime, it's in the past, but it's in the future for me recording it. Time is a construct, it doesn't matter. Just like money, Ethan. How am I so stressed about something that really doesn't matter? (laughs) These are all good points. Mm. Welcome to Supple Suggestions, the part of the show where we tell you what we're reading or watching, listening to, so then you can read, watch, or listen to them, because Mm. they're good, we think. Or not, sometimes we just bring them up to just talk about them. Ethan, I think people are going to be dying to hear our thoughts because we love comic books, of course. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in particular, we love Marvel comics. Mm -hmm. And uh, we love the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And just a few days ago, the Marvel Cinematic Universe finally made its jump to TV full-fledged. It's (sighs) Kevin Feige running the show. Not not MCU adjacent. MCU proper, bitch. MCU proper, Bitch. Did you Griffin's hear? just now doing the Jesse thing we were all doing years ago because he just saw Breaking Bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Yeah, fuck, you're right. It's too good. It's too I can't good wait till Griffin finally sees Borat. I have seen Borat, you bitch. <laughs> bitch. <laughs> okay. WandaVision episodes one and two came out this past Friday. Um, real quick, non-spoilers. You only saw Borat 2, right? I saw both. I watched both of them back oh, to yeah, back. Oh, yeah, you watched the first one. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Um, I have almost no thoughts on them. I thought they were fine and fun. They're great. Most of the time. Um, WandaVision episodes one and two came out. Yep. Um, my very, very brief non-spoiler discussion on it is I liked them and they were good and I can't wait for more. And I think we should jump right into the spoilers unless you have anything else you want to say to the folks before it's spoiler time. Was it a good time? Yes. It was. (laughs) (laughs) Thought it was delightful. Spoilers. Did we, did we watch WandaVision? Yes. We did. Yes, we did. Um, hey, I like I liked it, and uh, I love the the best thing about it is like the sheer commitment to I don't want to say the bit, but the bit oh, yeah. <laughs> of these first two episodes being. I had no um, idea we would go two full episodes. That was wild. Yeah, fifties and sixties TV shows emulated in these first two episodes here yep. with all the all the um, following decades coming up i believe uh and i'm excited to see Mm -hmm. those um but this week we were in black and white for almost the entirety of the runtime of these two episodes and that was great and the the color grading of the black and white footage like looks so genuine there's something about it that looks so and they had the fucking aspect ratio as well Mm um so it was so good to just like sink into that feeling and like oh, yeah. to just hop into it. it there was no like, okay, we got to get a little like, how did they get trapped in here? Like right, that's right, the right. mystery, of course. And I think we all assumed that would be the case, but mm-hmm. it was so nice for the first episode to just start. And oh, yeah. there was no, like, it was just seeing the, the Marvel intro. studios logo, go black and white and go into that aspect ratio. It was cool. I fucking love the effects. How like you see stuff dangling on strings and stuff. And mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. when stuff disappears or whatever, it's like a hard cut. Like, like, that's so fun and the performances are so fun i think the two of them are so delightful and and, and all the little side characters are so nice and then when Mm -hmm. when reality starts to break it's really upsetting it's really unsettling i I love it when they had the fucking audience tracks in there i was like what the fuck this is bizarre yeah um and it's funny because it's so conventional like 50s and 60s stuff but but it, there is just like an underlying feeling of what the fuck because you know obviously we're the audience and we know that this isn't how these characters usually act like when like when the camera angles change like when the choking mm. is happening and then we break the format and the camera mm-hmm. angles are suddenly like close-ups it's mm-hmm. really upsetting like like mm-hmm. it was really surprising how well that worked and like and the woman from that 70s show mm-hmm. being very weird and shit like it just worked so well yeah. um and so by the time we get to the end of the second episode and there's the weird sounds outside and they go outside, I'm legit like creeped out. Like, yeah, and, 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 yeah. And it was only relinquished by the feeling of how nice it was of her being like, no. And then we shift again and all that color floods in. It's so good. Mm. It's such a good feeling. It was, it was a great beat. The, yeah. um, yeah, no, the editing of, of the, uh, the, like the break sequences, the, the tense moments in both mm. of them are so fucking good um set design costume design is so great it all feels like it's just ripped right out of the past mm-hmm. and uh there are and, a million easter eggs too that i've been seeing online like a yeah million. i know I, I i haven't done much digging into them because i've just been i've been working too much since they came mm-hmm. out i haven't been taking enough time to 
kind of go through them frame by frame. Look into it. There's a lot of cool shit. Yeah, I love the the ads uh, in between. Oh yeah, I those just use seem real. Ads. Like they just know, seem like right? it's crazy. And the way that they like the whole thing, you know, is um, it has that layer of that feels like a dream over it, especially when like little pieces of uh, who you assume you know Wanda's mm-hmm. subconscious is sort of s- slipping through with mm-hmm. Stark toaster and uh, Strucker brand watches. Mm-hmm. That's so fucking good. That's so awesome. That's so I love good. It. And and I, I love how like in the meantime, like amongst all the weirdness of it all, there's also a genuinely fun fifties, sixties sitcom that I'm watching with mm-hmm. Marvel characters in it, and it's fucking crazy. <laughs> That's so the weird. MC, the MCU is such an amazing achievement and it's so consistent and and yet you get so much bitching about it being like uh samey over time. And like, fine, whatever. Like, I, but like, come on. Like, this shit is like experimenting. Like, they are they are mm-hmm. doing some shit with this, and it's really good to see, and it's very exciting. Yeah. It's I'm I'm hoping that's like the sign that you know we had our first ten years, ten years, mm-hmm. <laughs> twenty plus movies, and um, and yeah, and I do think you got some in between there that are that are of course the highlights. I think, but. The thing that Marvel mastered in the first 10 years is how do you make a cinematic universe? And the sameness that people will often, like, bring up is, I think, more so them, like, really figuring out how to get people on board. And to do that, first you have to make a consistent tone, a consistent, Mm -hmm. like, color. Like, it has to feel like the same world. And how do you do that? And I understand not, you know, like, tiring from a consistent tone over that many movies. But also... That's kind of amazing that like that they've gone that long without making one that you go that's fucking bad. Exactly. Like, like, exactly. Like, it's and crazy. so I think that's what the whole first act of it all is just getting people accustomed to the idea. And as now that it's like official, like okay, well, yeah, you guys saw Endgame, so now you're pretty much ready for fucking anything. Mm-hmm. And now we're um, fucking around. That's great because now we've brought movie going the average movie going audience up to speed with comic readers and. Yes. Um, because of course the um, the hyper serialization of these movies, um, mm-hmm. in comparison to other franchises, is it's just pulled right from the comic book industry, which Absolutely. is exactly what Kevin Feige's always talking about. Is like just do that, mm-hmm. <laughs> and for years they said shut the fuck up, shut the fuck up. We're doing mm-hmm. Daredevil, we're doing Elektra, we're doing X Men Three, bitch, bitch, and uh, and then my man finally got it and. Damn it, we've we've come such a long way, and uh, yeah, I really hope Wandavision is is a sign that we're gonna do some weird shit moving mm-hmm. forward. Quote fucking Peter Quill, Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy Volume Three. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna make some weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> Great movie. Um, very excited for the rest of Wandavision. Very excited for the other MCU shows, particularly um, in terms of like what we've seen stuff from. I'm very excited for Loki. I love Owen Wilson. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Tom Hiddleston as Loki, and I mm-hmm. love any magic shit. Which you mm-hmm. know, that and uh, Loki and WandaVision are going to go hand in hand with that sort of stuff. And apparently, they both just lead right into Doctor Strange, and that's fucking awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. And then that leads right into Spider Man. And then Doctor Strange is tangentially related to Spider Man. Which hey, we got some set photos from Spider Man Three. Hey. You were just showing them to me earlier today. It's a Christmas movie. It's pretty cool. You already know how I feel about winter movies versus summer movies. Shut gang. up. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's sort of 
unofficially the first thing I wanted to talk about for supple suggestions. Mm. Ethan, what do you got? Um, I'll buzz through a really quick Ethan's Comics Corner. Um, so, what do we got? Death Metal Ended. Uh, futures, Futures End. Not Futures End. Future State. Future State. It's happening. Futures End was a few years ago. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's happening. That's all fine. I got a couple of standouts from there. Um, but let's see. What I really like is Colonel Weird Cosmogog. It's dope. Um, Jenny, Hex, uh, Jenny Hex Special came out, which was... Uh, a nice little surprise. Um, Jenny Hex first showed up in uh, Bendis's Batman Universe, the uh, Walmart exclusive book, and mm-hmm. uh, and which of course was drawn by the wonderful Nick Darrington, and he did the cover mm. for this Jenny Hex special, which is the first time we're kind of jumping into her character after she was featured in Bendis's Young Justice, and it's written by Magdalene Visaggio, who is a wonderful wonderful uh comics writer and i interacted with her on twitter one time and it was delightful um really really great stuff i love i love her work and so this was a really cool little introduction to jenny hex and i hope that it leads to more i think that would be really fun um there are some fun king and black tie-ins coming out um there was one king uh, and black Black. what is that that's a uh that's a uh, pretty all right marvel event that's happening right now uh where Mm -hmm. uh some you know non-threatening uh, new villain comes to, to earth and it's just like oh can the avengers stop him yes uh and it's and it just it's not exhilarating in any way um, assuredly all the avengers you know we'll we'll get to issue five and it'll finally be all the avengers versus this antagonist and and they'll right. win and nobody will get ripped and in half be immediately there and he'll be like i'm alive and normal and you know uh, i'm headlining this event so it would be fucking insane if i just died yeah. you know and that's yeah. all happening in the last issue, I assume, and definitely not the first two. Yeah, so it's yeah. not that. It's it's, it's be, you know, that would be too exciting. That would be too just absolutely bonkers. That I would, would be say. absolutely bonkers. Yeah, that Donny um, Cates is a hack, if you ask me. That's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> There's a very fun King and Black tie-in uh, of Iron Man and Doom, um, where Iron Man, mm. who has like a symbiotified armor teams up with doom and they fight a symbiote symbioted symbiotified santa claus um <laughs> That's and crazy. it's very weird this. it's very weird i believe it was written by christopher cantwell who's doing iron man right now um mm-hmm. very very strange stuff and very fun uh did y'all know that hickman's x-men is really good it's really good uh what a surprise crossover number three came out did you guys know that one of the biggest image series ever is pretty good yeah it's pretty good um kieran gillen's um eternals number one came out with art by isad ribic and it's really really cool and a cool introduction to the eternals um and i'm looking forward to reading more of that the art the pencils in that book uh, everything the whole art team on that book is fucking insane (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah it's gorgeous um like I said, Future State, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm kind of lukewarm on. I think it's okay, but one that I really enjoyed for, er, from Future State is um, Future State Wonder Woman number one, which is written by Joelle Jones um, and drawn by Joelle Jones, um, oh, nice. and uh, colors are by um, uh, Jordi Belair. Um, and dude, if you can get Joelle Jones to draw your shit, you know it's going to be top tier. If she's writing it, that's just icing on the cake. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful book. Um, Joelle Jones is an absolute talent. Um, such good stuff. Um, one of my favorites, uh, uh, Max, uh, W. Maxwell Prince, 
Uh, he put out a new mm-hmm. anthology, number one. Uh, he's the writer of Ice Cream Man, and he put out a new one called Haha ha, Number One, which seems to be a anthology centered on weird, unhinged clown stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the first one is something. It's very strange. I mean, I'm interested to hear what people think about it. Um, and I think I'll just read anything that he puts out. Art from that is by uh, Vanessa Del Rey. If I ever don't mention the artist, I apologize. I'm trying to make sure that I do. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Star Wars Darth Vader is fucking awesome. Uh, the way that it's tying together all of the prequel and sequel shit. He goes to Naboo and all this shit, but then he's finding out about Exegol, and he's going to go find out about Sidious's plan on Exegol. It's crazy the way that that thing is tying everything together. Um, and also Star Wars The High Republic number one. Uh, came out so we're getting our first like visual splash into the high republic era and it is great uh the high republic stuff is so fun which i'll talk about in my next suggestion but did you have anything you want to talk about um i don't know is the next thing you're going to talk about um star wars the high republic light of the jedi by it's Charles part of Soul? it yeah mm-hmm. listen i've had a lot of stuff going on in my personal life that you are aware of ethan that has held me back from finishing this novel which i'm very upset about um, but what I have read of it is fucking dope, and I know mm-hmm. you loved it. Yeah, I read a couple of books uh, since we last recorded. I'm t- mm-hmm. I'm I'm on a novel spree. I'm tearing through them. I I read Light of the Jedi, and uh, I tweeted about it. It's my most liked tweet ever. It was really bizarre. It's all I guess all you have to do is get retweeted by people like Charles Soule, and you get hundreds of likes on a tweet. Um, and uh, yeah, I just I basically said that I think it's. I think it's a fucking golden nugget of Star Wars. I think it's like the, a perfect first movie in a new Star Wars trilogy. The way that it expands the universe, like the way that it genuinely feels like new, fresh shit is so good, especially the antagonists. Mm. Um, my God, man, it is just a thrill ride. It's so much fun. If you like Star Wars, you're going to shit yourself in this. It's it's so much fun, and I cannot recommend it higher. Um... No, I got nothing else to recommend because I've been right, doing I just nothing. Got one other book I read. Um, I mentioned on the show that I um I read. Uh, I've been I'm thinking of ending things, mm-hmm. um, which I really really liked. I had my problems with the ending of it, but I but um the the prose of it, the writing of it was uh just fucking awesome. And uh, Ian, I think it's pronounced Ian. Ian Reed uh is a master at building tension. And, uh, like, I, somebody called him, like, the, the master of, of, like, the, what is it, like, the uncomfortable or something like that? Like, he, uh, or, no, it's, like, the foreboding or, or something mm. similar to that. He's so good at making you feel, like, even in a very, min- uh, just, uh, chill, like, seemingly normal scene, that, that there is just something wrong. Um, mm-hmm. And he's so good at giving you these little details that make you more and more uncomfortable building to a strange climax that's always some massive twist on its head. And uh, he has a second novel after I'm thinking of ending things called Foe, uh, F-O-E. And um, man, it's very similar to I'm thinking of ending things in the way that it's structured, the way that it's written uh, with a, a very unreliable narrator um, and how you know that you're only being given a few of the pieces of the puzzle right at the start. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you've already read I'm thinking of ending things, you're going to... F- land in this one and go all right i get this and you're going to be looking for the corners of this and trying to figure out what you're not supposed to be like looking at um mm-hmm. and i was doing that the whole time 
and there are things that I picked up on, but I still did not uh, see coming what the big flip of it was. Um, and I fucking love this book. I uh, I don't know that it upset me as much as I'm thinking of ending things, but it was just really, really thought provoking, and it really has a lot to say. Um, and particularly like uh, just kind of minor spoilers, particularly about relationships, um, mm-hmm. in a really fascinating way. Um, and it really scratched my itch for liking to be, I like to be made uncomfortable by fiction and I like to be, uh, tense and it really gave me that while also really making me think about some shit. It's just beautifully written. Um, and it has such a fucking cool, wonderful ending. It's like a fantastic, fantastic episode of the twilight zone. Um, and, uh, it's so fucking good. I love it. Uh, yeah, highly recommend. And he's got another book coming out called we spread which I'm very excited about. Um, but yeah, good shit. <laughs> I lied to you, you stupid idiot. Whoa! Um, I do have something to recommend. A podcast oh I've been listening to. It's called An Unspecific Podcast, and ah. it's hosted by your very own Mr. Ethan Parker Smith and his ah. wonderful fiance Ashley. And I fucking love hearing my friend talk and not me responding to him. It's the <laughs> coolest thing in the world. <laughs> it's insane. I get to hear a whole podcast with Ethan that I didn't already know exactly what was going to happen in it. And, uh, hey, you should go and listen to it because their most recent episode where they talk about personality types is just fucking interesting to hear people talk about how they click with one another. And uh, I love that sort of shit, particularly when it's two people I care about deeply. So, ah. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very happy with the way that that show's uh, been going, and I've been having fun doing it. Um, Ashley uh, has just stepped right into the role of uh, she's she's the primary host on there. So I good. get to sit back a little bit, uh, which is really nice. nice. Mm-hmm. And she's she's got a great fucking voice for it. She's got a she's uh, she's very funny, and it's a great time. It's a great show. Make, um, go check that out at unspecificpodcast.com, or it's already on Spotify. You don't have to have five episodes before you get on Spotify now. Um, so it's on well, Spotify. That would have been nice, literally t- four years ago. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, so it's on Spotify and all the podcast apps now. So check it out. Uh, we would really appreciate it. Check it out. You know what else you should check out is the other two shows that we make for what we have dubbed the Amazing Friends Network. Because uh, mm. of course, the Shuffle Boys are busy because we run a whole podcast network on top of trying to be comic book writers. This oh. is what I think a lot of people call the flagship show of the network, <laughs> Shuffle yep. Boys. But we also do two shows for some very famous comic book creators, including Stegman and His Amazing Friends with Mr. Ryan Stegman and Devil's Advocates Book Club with Donnie Cates and Megan Hutchinson. And they're both fucking fantastic shows, and you should Fuck go and yeah. listen to them right now. Fuck and you yeah. can follow us on Twitter, at Stegman Show and at Supple Boys. I'm at Griff Sheridan. Ethan's at Tales to Astonish. You know these things probably. Email us at suppleboys at gmail.com. We'll do a mailbag episode sometime soon. Um, we're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We love Apple Podcast reviews. Those are always fun to read. They make my entire week. Um, SheridanandSmith.com for all things Amazing Friends Network, including some sick merch you can get your hands on. And our Patreon is linked on there, Shared, uh, patreon.com slash SheridanandSmith. We have a couple of great tiers that really, really help us out. And by really help us out, I mean... You know, we're making just enough money for me to pay for all the things that I have to pay for to mm-hmm. do the podcast. So, right. you know, it's nice to be breaking even nowadays. We're breaking even. That's nice. Okay. All right. I can take that. 
Um, my favorite thing about the Patreon is that if you subscribe to our, I don't know what it's called. What's the what's the the top tier called? <laughs> is it Go Off King? Is it Go Off King? I think it's Go Off King. I think so. I can if you join sure the Go more. Off King tier, you get to come and hang out with us once a month on what we have dubbed Supple Hangouts, and um, they've There's been so much fun. Oh no, so sorry. So the one dollar <laughs> tier is honorary Supple folk. Five dollar mm-hmm. tier is Go Off King, and mm-hmm. the ten dollar tier is Ouch, so hot, piping hot tier. Oh, piping hot tier is the best tier, I say. And uh, yeah, you can come hang saying. out with us on the Supple Hangouts, and those are so fun to do. Um, and we love chatting with you guys every single month. We'll be announcing when the next one is very soon. Um, and talking about things that are coming up very soon, this is episode 19, so next episode is episode 20, Ethan. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, it's going to be a normal episode. Um, probably even more normal than this one, if I had to say. Uh, yeah. So I'm excited to just, like, let's, like, I'm excited to go into next week and just be like, Let's chill, chill, man. Let's yeah, do some yeah, normal yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Me too. Very exciting. Anyway, guys, I think that's all we got for you this week. Uh, thanks. Love you. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> do we love you? Yes. yes. We, they did. <laughs> guys, the last thing I do have for you is to tell you that you should like what you like and don't be a dick. Pretty please. Preferably, don't be a dick. You know, but you can, you know, if you if you don't like uncut gems, you know that's fine. I don't get it, but that's fine. That's fine. Just don't be a dick about it. You don't see me sitting here being like, "Ooh, you need to fucking chop your fucking. You gotta chop your fucking thumbs off because you don't like uncut gems." That's that'd be I'd be being a, being a dick if I said that. Yeah. But instead, I'm like, "Yeah, that's fine." Mm-hmm. That's all it takes. It's just a little fucking passiveness. I'm with you. All right. You want to end the episode? I, I thought we were. We were just fading out into nothingness. <laughs> oh, here we go. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.